G'day, my name's Martin Murray and you're listening to the In The Paddock podcast, where we talk all things farming. G'day guys, Martin here, jumping in at the start of the podcast. So today on the podcast, we've got Andrew Coppin from FarmBot, and we'll be talking about all things ag tech, all things FarmBot, where Australian ag tech is in the world, how Australian ag tech is perceived around the world, and what can be done to further uh, extend ag tech in Australia and uh, help bring Australian ag tech to the world. Also talk a bit bit about FarmBot's products, uh, mainly around their new pump control feature, which is a pretty cool thing. And off-air, which we didn't actually include in the podcast, we spoke a fair bit about their FarmBot Extend and how you can now set up a much more integrated network of trough monitors, tank monitors, diesel monitors, uh, fertiliser monitors, a whole heap of things while still relying off that one main monitor and using the uh, Extend as relays, which will help bring down the cost to you as the grower. Uh, It was a really interesting chat, um, and I wish we actually had that bit in the podcast. It was great. It's pretty cool. I'm not paid by FarmBot to do this. I'm not getting any freebies. I've been a customer of FarmBot for about 18 months now, and I've really enjoyed it. They have top-notch customer service. Their products are very easy to install. Uh, You could put a backpacker on it. It's that easy. And, yeah, there's not a lot to it. It's very straightforward. Just set it up and go. And the other thing, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the podcast, but I'm blown away by how little reception you need to run their stuff. I uh, was standing on the tank next to my monitor and I could not hold a phone call, yet my monitor runs off the Telstra network and it has never missed a beat. So anyway, that's enough from me. Into the podcast with Andrew. Right, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Andrew Coppin from FarmBot talking about FarmBot, uh, the technologies they offer in their um, new remote control pumping solution. So, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Can you just start by telling us a bit about yourself and um, and FarmBot? Yeah, um, good day, Martin. Great to great to catch up with you. Um, yeah, well, I mean, um, FarmBot's been around for sort of five or six years now. Um, the brainchild of my co-founder, um, Craig Hendricks, and myself um, got together, um, you know, six years ago and started thinking about some of the problems of, you know, monitoring on rural locations. Uh, I, I spent a bit of time up in the Kimberley um, on cattle stations as a kid, and Craig had a um, had a property down in the southern highlands of New South Wales. And so when we came together as a technologist and as someone who had lived and worked on cattle stations, um, you know, we we started to look at these deeper problems of the amount of time spent checking things that, you know, 95% of the time don't need checking, but the 5% of the time they do, it's critical and how we could solve those problems. I guess we started, um, as a lot of people would know, um, with remote water monitoring, um, you know, now on over 3,000 farms, cattle, sheep stations around Australia and um, a good handful in the US as well now uh, where we're expanding the business. And that sort of moved out into other things that, you know, we could solve for our customers because, you know, we listened to them and what were the problems, other problems they had that were burning up time costing them money and, um, you know, where there could be a better way. 
and that's sort of how we've grown the firm over the last um, five years. Um, you know, great Australian innovations, um, you know, for Australian conditions. Yeah, and like, as I said, I was telling you just before we uh, started recording, but I've also got a farm bot myself, a uh, bit more of a basic setup. I've just got the water monitoring and the rain gauge, and I have to say I just love it. It's, um, yeah, it has just made life really easy, uh, particularly someone who doesn't, you know, not on farm all the time and travelling a fair bit. I can sort of keep an eye on things and um, where they're at and just be on top of any problems if they occur. Um, which again, like for a lot of your clients I've seen on Twitter, uh, you know, when a bit of rain rolls through Western Queensland or something around Bullia there, um, people post screenshots of their, uh, of their rain gauges. And, um, I too worked in the territory for a year after school. And I think two or three days a week was what I spent checking water. So if you can take that sort of labor unit out of the equation and, um, yeah, do it all from the rec club, um, it's a, it's a much more efficient way of being. Yeah, I mean, I guess what we hear, I think there's about 4,000 people a week logging into our platform now checking their water, um, pipes, pumps, rainfall, um, you know, and the variety of other things we do remotely. And what we consistently hear is that we're just saving them time, um, you know, a, a huge amount of money on fuel and wear and tear on vehicles, and most importantly, we're, we're giving them peace of mind, you know, because everyone on the land spends a lot of time worrying about what they cannot see. And let's face it, you know, everyone that works in ag is only ever really working on what's important or what's critical. Everything below important rarely gets a look in. Uh, and, you know, managing water for livestock is just one of those things, you know, it's not a it's not a choice. You You know, you have to do it. So... So when I think there's thousands of people waking up today and checking their water over a cup of tea, saving them time and money, they can go where the problems are when the problems are there. Um, you know, I think it's a great time saver and, you know, peace of mind gatherer. So, yeah, the most recent thing we've done is is um, in, is launch our new pump control module. And again, this is just customer driven innovation. You know, a lot of people saying, look, you know, Andrew, it's great that we're not driving to check our water as much anymore. If we're doing it three times a week, we're now only doing it once. Uh, but the other thing we have to do is we have to go and turn pumps on and off. And that's sort of where we got to, well, what if we could do that remotely um, from your cell phone or from your desktop? You know, how good would that be? And that thinking sort of started a couple of years ago. And so when we launched it, um, you know, earlier this month, it's, um, you know, it's a great um, proud moment to give birth to a new innovation that we also know will will save material time and money. So how does how does that work? I've seen the like I've been on your website, had a bit of a look. There's a um, a control box type setup and a couple of plugs there uh, that that look like they go into your monitor. Um, take. Uh, like my farm as an example, my monitor's sitting on the on the water tanks, which is on top of a hill, and the pump is it's a solar bore, and it's probably about a kilometre away. Um, how does how does that work in the yeah, in the so, field? Yeah, so the um, the pump control device needs to be mounted um, obviously where the pump is, and we've we've 
created this technology so it can talk to solar or electric or diesel um, pumps. Um, and so effectively we mount another um, farm bot monitor near the pump and connect it to the controllers of that pump so that you can turn it on and off remotely um, without having to go there. Um, but you know, importantly, we connect the activation of that pump to the source tank. So in your case, uh, Martin, you know, we would connect the alerts on your source tank up on top of the hill to the pump so that it, the pump can turn itself on when it hits a low level and it can turn itself off when it hits a high level or you can override the pump at any point in time you want to turn it on or off for specific circumstances. You can log in and know when the pump is on, which is always a good thing to know. And you'll see the water levels increasing, you know, as that happens. So, you know, key to everything we do at FarmBot is to be able to have, you know, things happening in near real time. When we say near real time, we mean within seconds, not minutes or hours. Because if you want to push a button and turn a pump on, you want it to happen in 30 seconds, not in three hours from now. So, so that's how it works. Connect to the pump, talk to the source tank where, where you're going to um, send the water to. And when those two things are linked, um, you know, it saves you a hell of a lot of time and, and effort again. No, it, it would. Um, yeah, it, it definitely would. And of course, if you you got other things there, you can, like if you've got to put that monitor in, you can obviously put in one of your diesel monitors as well if it was a diesel tank. So you're making sure that's... Um, you're not running out of fuel there, um, or even yeah, just... quite a few of the quite a few of the setups we've got with diesel. Again, you know, when I was back on working on cattle stations, you know, I mean, often we'd just start the diesel pump and let it uh, the generator and let it run until it ran out of diesel. Um, obviously, that's not ideal, um, especially if it means that you know the pump's running for longer than it should, which is wear and tear, or it's pumping water. Uh, into an overflow, um, which, you know, we all know we can't afford to waste water anymore. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't let it fall on the ground unless it's with good purpose. So, you know, getting rid of timers, getting rid of the old, I'll just run the diesel generator until it stops. Um, all of those things are sort of, you know, a thing of the past if you've got remote pump control. And even, even if we, we go and start the diesel pump or even if we think the solar is running because the sun is up, um, as we all know, that's not always the case either. <laughs> I mean, things don't always do what you want them to do uh, in ag. And so this system allows you to have that visibility around what's actually happening. Now, and that is one of the things I actually love about uh, the way you, your display works on the um, on the website is just how it tracks the level change over, over time. I think it gives me a new level about every two hours. And... Um, Actually, it might be every hour, um, and yeah, I can I can see whether the the pump is running even just with the basic system I've got because the the water level will be rising, and um, I can see if there's a leak at night. Uh, recently, just had a bit of an issue where we had a leak that we were able to pick up uh, pretty quickly because of the monitor. That um, it was a pretty serious leak. It was uh, losing water faster than we could pump it. Um, 
but I, I still actually haven't found that leak. I've tried using satellite imagery. I've ridden all the lines. I, I think what's happened is a deep buried pipe. The the joint is pulled apart, and then as it's um, swelled up with water, it's actually pushed back together. So maybe there'll be a nice big green spot in one of my crops. But um, it's um, yeah, it's it's just a very handy situation that just allows me to really get on top of um, of issues before they become a, a real issue. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, the the basis for our sort of reporting is um, we call it event-driven reporting. So the, our systems, all of our systems are designed to provide you real-time reporting of what is happening. Um, but if something goes wrong, um, it will tell you immediately. So, you know, some other systems out there in all reality can only provide you an update every three to 20 hours. And we think that sort of latency for um, when you've got animals in the field on a hot day is just too long. I can't, I can't find out 20 hours later that mm. I don't have any water. Um, so our systems sort of what we call near real time and event driven. So it will tell you how much water you've got based on what it knows and what it's monitoring. And you can rely on that looking at your, um, your platform, uh, the levels on your platform. But however, if there is a leak or if something goes wrong, it's going to let you know immediately that something has changed. And that's how, you know, we, we get so many people letting us know every, every week or in every month, you know, oh, you, you saved me today because, you know, I would have lost, you know, 10,000 gallons of water or whatever it was in a tank. Um, but I managed to get out there and solve that problem before, um, you know, if I lost it all, all before it was another, you know, 40 degree day. Yeah. And that feature has, again, saved me as well. Um, I've got a, I've got spray tanks down at the, um, down at the shed, which I can fill up from the, from the livestock tanks if we run out of rainwater. And I'd turned a tap on, forgot to turn the tap off. I was literally just heading out the gate and got a text from from my farm bot system saying, hey, you've you've hit 50% and the water's dropping quick. And I've gone, oh, better turn around and turn that tap off. Well, I'm glad to hear it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it does. Uh, or actually last harvest, uh, a header pulled a pipe apart, um, driving over the line and dumped a heap of water. And again, the text got me out there and, yeah, fixed it before it became a problem. Um, yeah, I've heard you're also the the president of Ozag Tech. Can you tell us a bit more about it and what they do as an organisation? Because I feel that like ag tech is is one of the spots where we're really leading the world. Yeah, well, I mean, myself and a number of other agri tech um, founders and people in the ecosystem got together sort of three years ago and created the association to try and, you know, shine a light on the agri-tech innovation that's happening in Australia. I mean, obviously, everything in agri-tech is not just about what's happening on the farm. Um, some of it could be about genetics and how to grow a better crop or more, you know, resilient crops or animals. Some of it could be about soil um, and, and what we're doing there, um, you know, methane reduction, carbon sequestration, um, you know, supply chain challenges, um, everything from the paddock to through to the supermarket. So, you know, because it's a very broad church, um, we, you know, it often gets missed out um, in discussions by politicians when they're thinking about 
strategy and funding because because it sits across so many different portfolios. So um, yeah, the association's now got circa 300 members. That's companies that are identifying as agritech. We think there's about 650 companies around Australia. Uh, many of them with you know farmer co-founders and have sourced real problems from from the field or from the supply chain. Um, and we're excited about the potential for Australian agritech, both for the huge benefit it can make to our domestic production, you know, helping make our farmers and food supply chain more secure um, and, um, you know, the opportunities to export some of that technology to the rest of the world and create another, um, you know, great industry for Australia. Yeah, how do you find that we we stack up compared to the rest of the world? I mean, I haven't travelled too extensively, but just from what I see on Twitter and seen in the media, I, I tend to feel like we, we are really kicking goals and tend to be a bit in front of everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I have had the benefit of travelling pretty broadly over the last couple of years um, to, to most of the major agri-tech events. And um, whilst I may be a little one-eyed, um, I, I can say with my hand on my heart, I, I really do think if there was an Olympics um, of agritech, then Australia would be on the podium. Uh, we really do have amazing innovators here in Australia, which goes hand in glove with our amazing farmers who are some of the best and most resilient operators in the world, um, also the least subsidised. So... You know, we are we are certainly in the top quartile of innovators. Um, we, however, the sector is is a bit segmented and desperate in the scheme of it's not a national coordinated approach. And one of the initiatives that the Agritech Association is working on, which will be for the benefit of agritechs and the farming community, is uh, you know lobbying for a national strategy for agritech to bring all of our great research and commercial experience together to, um, you know, make us even more powerful. Um, you know, it's exactly what we do with our swimmers. You know, as, as Aussies, we know we should win a gold medal at the Olympics. But, you know, we have state institutes of sport and a national institute of sport, and we invest in getting that outcome. If we want to truly be a global leader in agri-tech and have Australian grow in tech rather than just whatever gets imported, um, then we need a national strategy and we need our, our farmers and our technologists and our industry associations and our RDCs to get behind um, a national agenda to build Australian agri-tech. And how do you think we're tracking so far? I think the, the National Farm Data Code's just about to be released, if it hasn't been already. Um, obviously, that, that's one step in one sector. Um, what else would you like to to see happen? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think I like like most things in life. If there isn't a plan, um, things may not go um, as you wish them to be. So I think it starts with a national strategy and um, about coordinating the the all of the stakeholders in the supply chain, um, and then obviously things like data, how that's going to be utilised, how we're going to leverage it. Um, how we're going to, you know, nurture the domestic um, industry for the benefit of Australia's food and fibre um, and for our national security of our food. I mean, they, we all experienced a little bit of 
you know, what it's like to not have everything you want in the supermarket um, during COVID. Um, no one liked it very much. Uh, so, you know, in my mind, we should be trying to secure Australia's food security, obviously make sure we're safe from biosecurity risks, um, and then work together to build um, an amazing Australian technology sector, um, as I said, for the benefit of Aussie farmers. And, you know, what's needed in some areas, um, you know, like in cropping and horticulture is going to be different than what's needed in livestock um, or in uh, in the supply chain, because um, they're all at varying levels of maturity. I mean, I think we've spent a lot of money, for example, trying to grow a better cow or a better crop, but we haven't necessarily spent a lot of uh, time and investment on how to run a better, more efficient farm, for example. And, you know, that's what FarmBot's actually focused on is how do we make farmers' days more productive and efficient? Yeah, yeah, which, again, it certainly does. Um, yeah, because I'm just, just thinking back to your... Um, you said you had about 350 members and there's potentially about 600 ag tech businesses. Do you think that there's even just enough information getting to farmers about what's available, what's out there? Because I could probably name maybe 10 of those businesses just off the top of my head if I had to think about it. Yeah, no, I, th I certainly think we've got more work to do to, um, to make sure that the farmer, farming communities no matter whether they're in in hort or viticulture or cropping or livestock or anything else in between, are more engaged with the technology ecosystem. Um, part of that is on on us, and part of that is on them. Um, you know, us as technologists being more available and more engaged with the um, the people whose problems we're trying to solve. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, farmers also need to dedicate time and, and effort to both give feedback to that, to take some risks and help companies evolve. Um, you know, I've obviously heard many times people saying, oh, you know, some agritechs have just, you know, found a solution. Now they're looking for the problem. And, and that's not what we endorse. We try and go from the farm up. You know, what are your problems that could be solving? Um, but I think it's also fair to say, you know, there are still a lot of, um, you know, Henry Ford problems in in the farming and agriculture. You know, if if I asked them what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? That's his famous saying. So some problems actually need um, an external set of eyes to think about how we could do this differently, but then should be informed by the people on the ground as they are evolving. And so I think it's that engagement between the farming and agricultural community with technologists to make sure that we can, um, you know, develop and continue to enhance technology as it comes to bear. Yeah, and I think that is is what the the really successful companies or the ones that I've, I've seen a lot of and, and probably had more to do with are doing. They are finding those problems and finding solutions more than the other way around, like you, yourselves at FarmBot. Uh, AgriWeb, which you guys can uh, link your rainfall data into AgriWeb. I've got that set up on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, bit of a plug for you. Um, oh, who else? There's, there's a few others. You know, there's a 
a few companies that are out there that yeah I do feel are a little bit bit round the other way and probably priced out of the market. Um, yeah, um, we had the Oz Agritech Awards um, <clears throat> in Sydney last Thursday night, and you know obviously there were many notable um, award winners there, but um, you know the Agritech of the Year um, was Data Farming. Um, uh, Tim from Data Farmings, I think now on thirty five thousand farms. Um, <clears throat> Phil Tickle from Sebo Labs um, got a good mention. Um, you know, Rapid Aim. Um, you know, solving issues with um, pests. <clears throat> so you know, I there are obviously like any industry, there are there are companies that are more advanced than others that are past startup phase and into scale up phase that have got true commercial traction, and there's other younger companies that are still evolving and. You know, we need all of these companies at different stages of their life cycle to make the ecosystem. Um, they won't all work, um, but you know, you need that those people that are taking those risks to develop new technology for tomorrow. No, that's it. That's it. And um, I've worked with Tim a bit. Uh, well, I haven't really worked with him. I've got contracted a bit of stuff out to him through a bit of few trials and that I've run through my day job. Um, and yeah, he, he's got some great stuff there. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, I've worked with uh, oh, another company. I've been sending my soil tests for them for years, Hone Carbon, that are developing handheld soil testers. Um, and I, I hope they succeed because it's a great promising idea. And yeah, it's um, it's good that we've that there is now an industry association that can get nurture and develop uh, a lot of these startups and help bring them to the world. Yes. Well, we're certainly excited about the prospects. We we think it's, it's potentially a $40 billion a year sector for Australia. We, we break that down by saying technology when applied to our farming industry should be able to add $20 billion a year to our domestic farm produce. And we should be able to export $20 billion a year of technology into other markets. I think that, you know, what what most of the founders that I know are really striving for is to continue to be in Australia and to build Australia first products um, and, you know, create jobs here in regional areas and, um, you know, always go out to the world with an Australia first mindset. And, you know, we, we do need more capital in the sector. We do need more people and more skills and more jobs for it to grow. But, you know, the agri-tech sector globally is about a $700 billion a year sector. Um, so there's work to be done out there and there's opportunities. And as I said, you know, I I believe m most of us in the agri-tech community are really getting out of bed first and foremost to help Aussie farmers be great to the extent we can do that and be successful here, I think everyone else around the world knows that Aussie farmers are the best. And so therefore the technology they're using is first class. So, you know, when I go to other events um, globally, um, you know, we are always very well received for that reason. Now, I think we are a, a real proving ground as we you mentioned before, you know, we don't have those subsidies that, that other, um, countries have and uh we've got a fairly hostile environment so we've got to try and drive those efficiencies where we can and that's 
probably why ag tech is really thriving here in Australia. How, how have you found FarmBot being received overseas? Uh, yeah, well, so we launched um, in the US earlier this year. Um, we're in the US, we're actually called RanchBot because um, a farm and a ranch are two different things uh, in the US. If you have a, if you have cows, then you are a ranch. Uh, so in the US, we're under RanchBot. We're on about 300 ranches over there now. I mean, look, many of the issues are very, very similar to Australia, um, and they do appreciate that Australia has a lot of water management challenges. Um, so, you know, it's been very well received, but there are, there are other challenges over there that we don't have. I mean, you know, better than 50% of the rangelands, uh, in the U S are covered in snow and ice for a good chunk of the year. And, you know, that's not a common theme, um, that we see down under, of course. So, um, you know, there are, there are nuances. Um, it's a big country and it's, but it's well received. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, we're very hopeful that we can continue to build a great Aussie company and export that technology um, to the US. Um, as sure as we're looking at other markets, you know, in Canada and um, Latin America. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think there's a high regard for Aussie technology. Um, and of course, um, you know, Aussies are well received uh, in that part of the world, as we are in most parts of the world, as just being, you know, pretty pragmatic doers, um, which, you know, everyone in rural life, no matter where they are in the world, appreciates. Yeah, no, that's that's it. It's um it's just good to get out there and be kicking goals. And I love that it's called Ranch Bot. Um yeah, I suppose it makes all the difference. Because I think if someone came here and started calling farms ranches, I'd yeah, it's a bit petty, but I'd get upset. <laughs> yes, no. Well, in the, in the US, a farm is a farmer is, is someone that's growing um, row crops or uh, is in horticulture or something, you know, green predominantly. Um, whereas a rancher is definitely someone that's got cattle. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You get to see a fair bit of um, cool country over there. Yes, well, of course, they've had a lot of water management issues. Um, they have a lot of water regulation issues. And, you know, it's a country with, you know, 340 million people to feed. So significantly greater pressure on the agri-food supply chain than we have in Australia. Um, but again, you know, spinning that back to Australia's opportunity, you know, I think we can continue to materially grow our agri-food business um, here in Australia. Um, and export to the rest of the world. And you look at other countries that are on that innovative path that have less resources and availability than us, um, New Zealand, Israel, Singapore, I mean, even Great Britain, all have strategic plans for agri-tech and are all trying to compete in that sector. Um, so, you know, it would be remiss of Australia not to um, invest in the space and really get behind it. Um, as I mentioned, for the benefit of our farmers here in Australia and also as an export opportunity to the rest of the world. I agree. It would be a massive missed opportunity if if we can't take our technology to the world and, and further develop Australian jobs and businesses here. Um, yeah, well, that's the that's the goal. And I'm, when I look at FarmBot and think, you know, uh, five years ago it was, um, you know, Craig in the garage uh, and me, 
uh, paying a few bills uh, today where 60 people, um, you know, about 20 engineers. So highly skilled jobs, building Australian technology to help Australian farmers run a better business. Um, you know, we're, we're very proud of that and we're very honoured to be able to work with Australia's um, rural businesses. It's a, it's a real privilege. Yeah, no, it's, it is. And you guys like, I mean, I can't say this enough. You're just great to deal with. Um, from Henry down there in sales through to uh, the girls there in customer support, um, I've found it just just exceptional. Um, and FarmBot's not paying me to say this, I'll just point out. I just, I really like their products. Um, we appreciate that, Martin. And, like, you know, we, we work hard on the customer service side. We, we are not a firm that just sells hardware and then disappears. And we have people throughout rural Australia, um, you know, our criteria on our customer support and customer care is, you know, people must come from a farming background or be on farms um, in order to understand the problems that our customers are facing. So, um, you know, we're proud to employ people in regional Australia and can, will continue to grow and expand that footprint. Yeah, yeah. And and look, uh, again, and you've got, you've got a range of options, uh, satellite and phone connectivity. And, like, I'd, I can't believe how well those those phone transponders work or um, I tried to call your customer service while standing next to my monitor on top of the tank. So I probably had another meter and a half above where the monitor was and I could not hold a phone call, but it still updates me on all my data every two hours. It's yeah. I just can't believe how well it works. No, well, thank you. Um, yeah, we we work hard to do that, and and obviously the cell um, work that we're doing with Telstra, uh, with their new technologies in MBIOT, uh, um, you know, I, I think are only going to consistently get better over the coming years. Um, and you know, from our perspective, Telstra is working really hard to improve their services in the bush, um, you know, through technology like ours. Yeah, and I think I mentioned off camera uh, before that, you know, it was actually Telstra originally that put me on to you guys um, when I was telling them about some of my dramas. So it's um, it's worked out really well. So if people want to find out more or they want to farm bot for themselves, where should they head? Yeah, so all the information's uh, on our website at www.farmbot.com.au. Um, but... Um, if that's uh, not your thing, then um, you can pick up the phone and call uh, 029030-4760 and our team would be happy to help. No, that'll be good. And I was just on your website a little bit earlier. You've got a few sales going on at the moment. So if people are looking to yeah, buy it before the end of the tax year, hook in. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Andrew? No, thanks very much for having us today, Martin. Um, we appreciate the work that you do. And and obviously, um, yeah, um, it's important that we continue to help um, those in rural Australia understand the sort of technology that's coming and what's available for them out there. So um, keep up the great work. We appreciate you. No worries. Thank you. Righto, guys, that was Andrew Coppin from FarmBot. Once again, just like to thank him from coming on the show and sharing his experience with us about taking this great Aussie tech to the world. 
and where he sees Ozag Tech in the world market. If you want to find out more about FarmBot, head over to farmbot.com.au and um, check out their range of products. Currently got a few sales running end of financial year, so get on there, check it out, have a look. I love it. I've yeah, I've been enjoying it for 18 months, and I will continue to keep using them and maybe even expand it now they've talked about those uh, FarmBot Extends. So anyway, that's it from me for this week. In two weeks' time, we're going to have Ruminati on, talking about baselining, working out your emissions, how to measure them, how to record them, what do you need to calculate your baseline, and why you should be starting to calculate that baseline. So until next time, keep at it.